Welcome to Sacred Realms. It's a great day in Hyrule, y'all. Welcome to Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast for the second week in season six, covering the original Legend of Zelda. I am your host, Lyndon Willoughby, joined as always by my co-host, Matt Willoughby. Matt, we've been driven inside this evening. We have. It, uh, it is a rare occurrence uh, here in Texas, especially in the summer. There is water that is falling from the sky. I hear that's a common occurrence other places in the world. It's called rain. And uh, this is the first time in probably three months it's rained. And uh, it's very exciting. Yep, the skies have opened up and uh, my lawn is is crying tears of joy um, <laughs> because it was getting real rough there for a little bit, y'all. It was not it was not good. Um, five straight weeks of uh, 100 degrees plus every day and no rain will absolutely do that. But all that is to say, we are in the studio tonight. We are unable to record outside, which is actually kind of cruel because as the first night in a long time that it's dropped below 90 degrees i kind of really would have liked to have been able to record outside but yeah it's it's a nice uh 75 degrees which is basically perfect recording weather outside sounds amazing instead we're here yep all that is to say um yeah a little little change of venue for this evening but not to worry uh the show rolls on and what a show we have for everybody this week um of course as we mentioned before we are currently recapping the original legend of zelda game uh in this season of the show and then in the back half of the season we'll move on to doing uh zelda 2 the adventure of link tonight however we're going to take a break from our episode recap in order to have i think a really timely and relevant conversation with a uh, with a guest about um kind of the way that you and i are, are playing this game right matt right so um as everybody knows uh and as we had talked about pretty extensively last week guides game guides and strategy guides etc are a really huge part of this era of gaming in the nes and snes uh era that have kind of fallen off of modern gaming uh conventions so uh we decided that it would be really awesome to have somebody on with us to talk about uh, game guides in general, the importance of them, uh, and why they have maybe gone the wayside, uh, but someone who really appreciates them from an artistic perspective. So uh, we have uh, been able to very fortunately snag a wonderful guest. Yeah, I think it's safe to say we found that person. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce our guest for the evening, one Phil Summers of uh, Hand Drawn Game Guides fame. Uh, Phil, how are you doing tonight? I am great. Thank you for having me. Uh, we are so happy that you agreed to come on. I think just speaking personally, I, I believe you're a graphic designer by trade, right? Uh, yes, I am actually. Yep. Cool. As am I. So I, I'm looking very much forward to this conversation just, uh, you know, as as one graphic designer who enjoys uh, gaming, speaking to another. I think that is going to be a lot of fun. Um, so real quick. Yeah, all your... All your- Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say all your stuff that I've seen, all the cards and stuff that you put together for this, they all look real great. You can tell that you have a design background. So, <laughs> Well, thank you. I appreciate that yeah. very much. I I would hate to be uh, doing work that people look at and, and think to themselves, huh, wonder if he's ever done this before. <laughs> <laughs> no, it looks I, great. You can tell you're a pro. I so. think that about it sometimes, Lyndon. You are, <laughs> you don't, you don't feel that way. And also you're the worst. 
I, I have to sometimes keep you humble because of people like Phil come in and give you compliments too often. Your head gets real big and this ego gets overinflated. <laughs> so it's my job occasionally to just come in and pop that bubble a little bit. Phil, the family dynamic is a big part of what we do here. If it wasn't oh, apparent sure. already. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool. Um, well, obviously can't wait to get into a, a whole conversation about you and your background and, and the kinds of work that you have done in the past. Um, so in order to get to that as quickly as possible, let's just go ahead and mm-hmm. get the housekeeping out of the way, Matt. What do you think? What? We need to ask Phil our questions of every new guest. Okay. Well, we can do that as part of after housekeeping. We normally do it before housekeeping, but you're the host. Do whatever you want to do. I'm doing it after housekeeping. Okay, whatever you want to do, you're the host. You know what? You, you know what? I I want you I want you to feel happy and respected. So we're gonna do it <laughs> your way. So <laughs> and, I, and I'm along for the ride. So whatever you guys want to do. <laughs> um. So basically, Phil, kind of what we do at the top of every episode when we have a new guest. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason that this didn't come top of mind is because we usually do this on episodes where the guest is there to talk about a specific chunk of, of game that we're playing that week, um, which is not the case this Got week, it. but but still relevant, I think. Um, we usually ask what our guest's history is with Zelda, um, which games mm-hmm. they played and have not played, and which ones are their favorite. So the original, that's what I started out with. Um, uh, that game... You know, I, I was, I think I was in kindergarten when my brother got a NES and he came home. Well, obviously with Super Mario Brothers, it was in packed in. Uh, this, this was the time where the NES came with, um, the zapper and Mario Duck Hunt. So that was when we had, uh, the gray zapper and he borrowed Zelda off of a buddy. I had never heard of it. Never, I had no idea what this thing, I didn't even know what a Nintendo was. Um, but, you know, that gold cartridge was there. I called it the gold game and I can't say it was like love at first sight sight, but I, it was certainly like interest high at first sight. You know, like I, I, I wanted to know more about this thing. Um, I liked looking at Mario. I thought Mario was great, but there was something that seemed, uh, I guess it seemed real classy, you know, to it, to a kid that you had this gold cartridge laying there and the game kind of didn't make sense to me. I remember liking looking at it and hearing it. Um, but it wasn't until, I mean, probably not that much later that, you know, maybe we borrowed it again off people or we rented it ourselves. And I slowly kind of came around to it and, and just, just loved it. Um, that and Zelda two, you, you know, it's, it's so long ago that it's, it's kind of fuzzy, which one maybe I finished before the other one, maybe Zelda two. I feel like I had access to that one, never owned either of them. The first one uh, we owned was a link to the past. My brother at the, you know, at this point he's a little older. Well, I have two older brothers. Um, so my oldest one was working and, uh, he bought a link to the past, obviously super into that. Um, by the time, Oh, then, you know, at that point I, I, I've played them all pretty much, um, to answer that question. The only one I haven't played is, Oracle of Seasons. I always get Ages and Seasons confused. I didn't finish Age. I think that's the one I have. I have Ages. I never bought Seasons because my goal was, um, you know, I wasn't made of money when those ones came out. I was working at that point. Um, and I just thought, well, I'll get through this one and then I'll buy the next one uh, as opposed to buying them both at the same time, which is something I would probably do now. Um, but I never ended up buying the other one because I never finished the first one. But 
that was the only like mainline one I don't actually own. And I never finished Phantom Hourglass either. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that one is. That's like maybe the only Zelda game I kind of don't like. But uh, but uh, have you have you played and finished uh, Spirit Tracks and enjoy that one? Yeah, I like Spirit Tracks a lot. So it's is it fair to say that it's not necessarily like the stylus control that kind of turns you off a fan? No, stylus control is cool. No, I like all that stuff. And sorry if I got like way off topic in my story, which is like kind of a jumbled mess. There, it was like <laughs> no seriously, stream of we, conscious, we, stream of <laughs> conscious, like <laughs> Zelda his, personal Zelda history. There, uh, no, the stylus stuff was awesome. There was just something about it that it just didn't, it didn't click with me, and I got bored, and I just stopped playing it. Okay, but I have I have thought about playing it again, but well, here's hoping that at least on the on the Oracle front. Um, Nintendo kind of finally pulls the trigger on that uh, on that Game Boy um, service for the Switch Online, and, mm-hmm. and and we actually all have easy access to those yeah. games. I do have both of them on. Um, they were on 3DS real cheap at one point. I think they were like two fifty or something a piece. Uh, and I did download. So at that point, I downloaded them, and then I think I tried to play the. I did. I tried to play the one I own again, and I stopped again and never made it to the other one. Gotcha. So I tried that. I tried that two times in my life. So I don't <laughs> guess I guess I guess it might not just have been meant to be, but I don't know. I, I have never played Oracle of Seasons myself. I have played Oracle of Ages um, between okay. between Matt and myself. I think I've I've got a little bit more experience with this whole series than he does. I, I have not played them all, but I've played, I'd say, two thirds, maybe 75 percent of them. Um, and Oracle of Seasons is one I haven't gotten around to either. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll get to it one day. We have this. Yeah, is, I was going to say you'll get there, right? Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's the fun thing oh, about this it. whole format like we've got you know we're, we're six games in and we, mm-hmm. <laughs> no 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 signs of like running out anytime soon so we're good on content for the foreseeable what's your future. um how are you deciding what you want to play you're just kind of feeling it out like oh, you know this is the one i want to try out next or is there a sorry if that's like a noob question that like everybody would know no 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 listens to this show no it's a great question especially since i mean obviously since we're tackling zelda the legend of zelda number six we're not doing them in order um so basically we decided that we wanted to start with ocarina of time first when we launched and Mm -hmm. then our whole thing because we have a patreon as well was that Mm -hmm. we would let our patrons vote on which one we do um, Got it. Each time we move to a new one, with the caveat that we are bouncing back and forth between 3Ds and top downs. Okay, cool, so, nice. So yeah, there's there's a little bit of a system there. Um, if if you had to pick a favorite of all the ones mm-hmm. that you've played, then I, which one would you land on? Uh, Breath of the Wild, and then maybe maybe the original one. Um, yeah, I love those. They're they're just great. Well, we've very recently been having some interesting conversations about the surprising ways in which those two games are are very similar. Um, mm-hmm. And I think because uh, Matt and I, neither of us have played The Legend of Zelda before. Um, wow. OK. Yeah. And uh, my, my first game was uh, Link's Awakening. And I've played that hundreds of times. And Matt's first Zelda game was Ocarina of Time. Um, the games that we've played on the show have been Ocarina, Link's Awakening, Skyward Sword, Link to the Past, and then Breath of the Wild. And um, cool. my my personal favorite is also Breath of the Wild. But it is currently sitting at number one ranked out of that list because we we, awesome. we we keep an ongoing ranking at the end of every season. So, yeah. Cool. Yep. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that one, like, I had a buddy, 
uh, you know, we were like hot off Breath of the Wild years ago now, which is hard to believe that you can say that that Breath of the Wild is like kind of old. Um, but uh, I was talking to a friend and I just said, I think it's my favorite game, man. He's like, ah, you're just like high on it. You're not. That's not true. That's not true. And, and then I was like, no, no, no. Totally my favorite. And then like, oh, as time has gone by, I'm just like, no, yeah, it's probably like my favorite one. <laughs> the game's awesome. It's right. <laughs> so good. You know, because sometimes when you are, it, it does happen, right? You do get kind of high on a game and then, you know, time goes by and you're like, well, I guess it was okay. Or it's really good, but, you know, there's this, this and that that's wrong with it. Or, you know, maybe there's like the discourse online where that kind of starts to like taint your opinion of something because that, you know, unfortunately that kind of can happen. Um, but not with that one. That one is, I think, stood the test of time so far. Yeah, I think six years is definitely enough to kind of land on. Has, has it been six years? It was 20 20- 17 to at least yeah at least five five right? years yeah so i mean that i feel like that's enough time for a for a valid opinion to have like solidified and if if for no other reason and we've talked about this on the show before but all of the games that have followed since breath of the wild that have like adopted major tenets of its design philosophy mm-hmm. you know um i think that's a pretty clear indicator as well but yep definitely yeah. agree definitely agree um well, cool. So I'm glad that, yeah, obviously this conversation is going to be mostly about the NES titles, but I'm very glad to hear that you've got like an overall grounding, like a very solid one in the series as a whole, just for the purposes of like having an interesting yeah. conversation. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I love the series. Uh, even if I get to a point where, you know, I can't keep up with games at all, I don't know, or I just, I'll probably never lose interest. That's not going to happen. But <laughs> I would always make like, you know, if it came down to it and I'm like, 65 years old and I don't have whatever the new thing is that plays the new Zelda, I would probably buy the new thing to play the Zelda game. That's where I am with it. So would you say that you've played breath of the wild the most or the NES version? Which games have you played the most? I know you said breath of the wild was your favorite, but it's hard to say. I I don't know how many hours I put on breath of the wild because I know it, the switch tracks it. This is kind of a silly aside, but when I, when I got Breath of the Wild, my profile, uh, I played the game for a bit and my daughter kind of like hijacked that profile. And I just made another profile to restart to make a new um, game on it. And I never linked that profile to an account. So when you don't do that, you don't see how many hours you actually put onto the game. So I can't tell you how many. I know she has like 400 hours on the one that's visible on my profile. <laughs> uh, she played the heck out of it. But um, I mean, I... I I played a lot of it. Um, I never did like a full replay of it again, um, but I put a crazy amount of time onto it between, you know, all the DLC and doing nearly all the side quests and all that stuff. Um, Aside from that, it's hard to say which one I played the most. I've played through the most. I played through the original, probably the most that in Zelda two. But the other ones, are um they're much longer games right so like i could i can beat zelda one probably like five times and i wouldn't be anywhere near close to finishing ocarina of time if that makes sense sense. right right so like when you look at it when you look at it hours wise it's kind of hard to say um Matt and I are both kind of working very hard right now to not blow through the entire game, um like way in advance of when we record episodes for it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
So because yeah. right because you're kind of taking it down like dungeon by dungeon when you do a recording, right? Yeah. Well, but for Legend of Zelda, we even had to like double up just to just to have like mm-hmm. full length because uh, we try to keep our episodes between an hour and an hour and a half and yeah. Um, I think there was just no way we could have done that covering one dungeon a week. So yeah, we're doing, yeah. we're doing two dungeon dungeons a week basically. And even with that, we're just kind of like, you know, I mean, I've been sitting on this, this second chunk of game for like two weeks, just like, okay, well I want to keep it fresh. So I'm waiting to play it, but I kind of right. just want to go play it all. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because some of those dungeons too, especially like the first one, I mean, you can blast through that dungeon in like five minutes. Right. And then it's like how much of a, how much of a conversation can you have about that short little chunk, right? That's true, I but it's also... I guess that's kind of the... Go ahead. No, that's true, but it's also really interesting to see how prominently this game sets up dungeons for the subsequent games. Like, obviously, we, we haven't played Zelda 2 yet, but, like, mm-hmm. I can see a lot of... Um, Link's Awakening and A Link to the Past dungeons here in Legend mm-hmm. of Zelda. Like, obviously, Legend of Zelda being just like the most basic of prototypes for it, but um, it, it's still there. And I think it's really cool to see that through line and the uh, the design and the narrative choices that that flow from one game to the next and generation to generation. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really do like it. Yeah, yeah, you'll you'll find that. Have you you've played nothing of Zelda two? No, no. Okay, so you'll that's it's essentially like a Metroid game, um, kind of. Each dungeon is like a little mini Metroid map. Um, you know, you have your overworld, um, but that's kind of the, the easiest way to kind of describe it. Is that each dungeon's like a is like a Metroid dungeon. You're just kind of you know you're finding keys still and all that, but it's I mean it's a very different. Ex- I love it. So people, a lot of people do not like it. Um, I'd be curious to see what you guys think when you when you get around to playing it. I, I think it's great. It has amazing sword play. Um, yeah, it's a cool game. Very, it's difficult, but we we our our uh, our goal and our commitment was to try and keep as uh you know as open a mind as possible, especially with these <laughs> original two games. And like I think in in fairness, uh, Matt and I were expecting this you know, the legend of Zelda being as old as it is to be kind of a slog for us. And uh, we've been pleasantly mm-hmm. surprised by what we've played so far and have been really enjoying it. So there you go. Oh, great. Awesome. Yeah, yep. no, it's, I mean, it's such a good game. Um, and one of the, that's kind of one of the reasons that I, um, that I w- wanted to do that guide um, is because, you know, I know it's a great game. And then sometimes you hear people, you know, that they didn't grow up with it or whatever. And they think it's kind of, I guess long in the tooth. It's not good. Uh, it's slog, like you said, um, and it does kind of require like that guidance, right? There's, I think people if they just sat down with it, they would get frustrated, especially if there is no, um, if they're not looking anything up, right? They're just like, well, let's try and figure this game out. I, you know, the, the, they wouldn't stick with it. Um, so one of the, yeah one of the goals that I had when I put the the booklet together was you know how can I make it kind of interesting and kind of fun and lead them through the world in kind of a logical way um that was kind of my whole like philosophy with with that book 
Well, Phil, I cannot wait to dive deep into your whole process and actually what led you to create that in the first place. Real quick, before we get into that, I'm going to get our yep. show housekeeping out of the way so that we can just yep. go to it. Um, sure. So, yeah, you ready? What, what do you think, Matt? You ready for some housekeeping? Yeah, I think we've had 20 minutes of intro. Let's go ahead and do the housekeeping. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. No, you're f- we I, we wanted it. You're, you that's, are fine. No, that's how you know it's going to be a good one. If you didn't know, Sacred Realms is a weekly re-examination of The Legend of Zelda, one little slice at a time. Sacred Realms drops every Wednesday and is available on all major podcast networks in addition to the Zelda Universe YouTube channel. As of this week, we are releasing every episode weekly on that channel as well. Thank you to our partners at Zelda Universe uh, for working with us on that. We've had enough of them on the show over the years to where, I mean, I guess it just makes sense at this point. Here, like, singular. Uh, year. Ah, man, it truly feels like multiple, but yes, you're right. Uh, um, crap. Where was I? I need to write that into the housekeeping so that I don't like mess it up. Yes, you do. Um, every week we play a new section of a Zelda game and then we sit down here to talk and to drop our hot takes. If that sounds fun to you, please head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button and be sure to leave us a review. Five star reviews are greatly appreciated and they have a chance to get a shout out here on the show. If you want more Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com slash Sacred Realms pod to get access to our discord channel, listener mail, vote on what game we play next and much more. But without further ado... Let's get into the main conversation of this episode. Let's pick it right back up with Phil, um, pretty much where we left off and talk about uh, this this excellent product that he kind of created. Um, Phil, I'm just going to go ahead and, and ask you to quickly summarize what hand-drawn game guides is, specifically the, you know, the, the one that you did for Legend of Zelda, because I know you've done multiple. Um, and then after, after that quick summary, if you could just kind of give us a rundown of what 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 led you to kind of create this thing like what what was the process like and and how did you come to that point sure so i android game guides pretty self-explanatory it's a video game guide and everything in it is drawn all by hand i drew it all um i make them in and little notebooks, like uh, they're you know, there's an actual physical book that I could hand you that I drew all these original pictures in, and you could flip through it. The Zelda one's a little crazy, so you actually couldn't just flip through it chronologically, but um, and it's spread across, I think, like three notebooks. But that was kind of the idea. If I handed you the contract guide, that would uh, that would uh, read out just just fine. But um, yeah, the the idea was I kind of. Um, I just wanted to do something where I, you know, I'm a graphic designer. I'm on the computer all day. Um, and I did, I used to do a lot of like digital art, um, animation and, and all that. Uh, but I wanted to come up with something where I wasn't looking at the computer and, and I was kind of using, you know, physical material again. I hadn't done it in a long time. Um, so I had this idea to draw out a game. I was like, well, what would it, what would it be like if I just kind of drew these maps for a game and, you know, all the kind of characters that went with that and you know, how, how would that work? Right. So I decided to pick Contra cause it's a really short game and I'm pretty good at it and I love it. <laughs> and, um, I wanted to see what I could do with that. And the, the like I the goal of it was kind of less strategy guide. It was more just, I want to draw the game out and put in a handful of tips. Um, but really, I wanted to focus on the art of all the characters and 
the levels. That was the whole thing. And then I started to build some material around it where I was like, well, why don't I make like, I should have like the story and maybe I could have like a profile on the main characters and that kind of thing. Um, so I put that out and it wasn't even called hand-drawn game guys at that point. I think the book was called, um, Contra art and, uh, game something or other. I, I don't think game guy was in it at all. Um, and I put it up for as like a free download on Gumroad and people liked it. And, it, and then, you know, there, there was a request to make more and I kind of wanted to make more. I was like, well, what, what, where can I take this? So then I did Ninja Gaiden for the same reasons. I love that game. Um, and, you know, as I started putting it together, I thought, well, what can I do here to kind of expand on the strategy portion of it and also kind of the game portion of it. So as I was like playing it again over and over, um, you know, the cutscene, I, I used to love the cutscenes on that game. I thought they were incredible and I still like them. But when you read the story, it kind of doesn't make sense. And I thought, well, maybe it would be fun if um, I kind of tied this narrative to it where I'm kind of filling in these blanks after the cutscenes. Like, wh- why is this happening? Why is that happening? Um, so that was kind of where like the idea of adding like a narrative to the the guides came from. So after that came out, people really liked that. And I thought, all right, let me do something. Let me do something like big. I'm going to go big on, on this next one. Let's do Zelda. I love Zelda. Um, and when I first sat down for it, my thought was, well, this is going to be easy. It's just nine dungeons and I'd have to draw an overworld map. And that was kind of like my, that was my thought going into it, right? It was just, I'm just going to draw these dungeons and draw the map. But then I, I I started thinking more about the strategy portion of it. And I thought, well, I want people to use this. I want them to to actually play the game, kind of going back to what I said earlier. Like maybe this could be like a, a way to get someone that's never played the game before into the game. Um, and yeah, there's a million facts online and you can watch YouTube videos. And there's so many ways to get information on this game and how to play this game. Uh, and I read a lot of those facts and... The, the way they put the game, the way a lot of the facts put the game together is, or from what I noticed anyway, is they kind of have you grind a lot in the beginning. Like, cause you can buy the best, uh, one of the best items immediately, right? There's a blue ring and it gives you armor. It makes your defense go up. You can buy it immediately. If you just grind out enough rupees to go buy the thing. Um, and I noticed a lot of the facts do stuff like that, where they're like, go buy the ring, go get all the hearts before you, you know, go into this dungeon and and that kind of thing. And to me, that was just kind of like, well, it kind of kills the challenge because you're just getting all the correct stuff um, ahead of time and you're just kind of overpowered from the start. So one of the things I spent a lot of time considering, and this like put a wrench in the book for a while. Like I drew all the maps out like I had wanted. I did all the dungeons. Um, but to tie them all together with the in-between stuff was what was tricky. Um, and I put a lot of thought into how can I logically get the player around the map? How can I make use of heart containers that are nearby at certain points? Um, and how do I kind of ease them into this experience? And how do I also keep it challenging and not overpower the player right so i think i introduced the blue ring it's been a while since i wrote this book like two years ago um but i think i introduced the blue ring around dungeon five um six for sure um because that dungeon definitely the difficulty spikes um if you're if you're good you can you can get through the dungeon without that 
blue ring. Um, but it certainly would help a lot, right? So I made a little note kind of like, you know, if you're having a hard time, there's this blue ring available, check the map. Uh, but then I send you into that afterward. Um, and it's not the way I would play the game. I play the game totally different because I played it so many times. So it was fun. It was a fun challenge for me to really figure out all those, all those points and how to hit everything. Um, I never pick up the, um, the bracelet. There's no reason to get the bracelet really, but my thought was, well, it's in the game. It's cool. It's, it's like kind of, it's an iconic item. Um, and I came up with a, a route for that that made sense and where you would use the bracelet and you know how it would spit you out close to dungeon five. So all kinds of things like that. I, um, I took into consideration just to kind of give the player like a full from what I think is like a full experience of the game. So that was yeah, the, definitely. that was the process of it. Yeah. So that's the, uh, and that, that make, that all makes total sense, I guess. So the way that I kind of wanted to break this discussion down, because I, I have got some very specific questions about like kind of the craft of the guide, like the, the Zelda, uh, guide that, Blah, excuse me, the craft of the Zelda guide that you drew specifically, uh, you know, some nitty gritty stuff about it. Um, but sure. I think one thing one thing we definitely wanted to get your thoughts on, because one thing that Matt and I were told before we got into The Legend of Zelda by a lot of people who have played it a lot is that mm-hmm. um, it was actually uh, very beneficial to the gameplay experience to one, look up the original pack and guide and read that. Um, Mm -hmm. because, because of the, um, the extra context that it gives around even like narrative stuff, which would never happen Mm -hmm. now, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but also just as like part of the experience of, of the pack-in guide being an essential part of, uh, you know, the experience of playing a game when the Legend of Zelda came out and then for, you know, several Mm -hmm. years afterward. And so we've been very intentional about like, okay, we're going to read that guide first. And then we've been Mm -hmm. keeping your, your guide open at the same time as we kind of play through, because, you know, one, we don't want to make this first playthrough of the game too punishingly like difficult for ourselves. We, Mm -hmm. we want to enjoy it, but also just because, our thinking was that had we been six or seven years old at the time that this game was released, we probably would have been consulting a guide. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there's no way that, power. yeah, there's no way that six or seven year old us would have gone through this without at the very least consulting the guide of dad, right? Like, Hey dad, yeah. what, what do we need to be doing here? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a game that is not signposty in any way, shape or form. Right. And I mean, even when we were playing mm-hmm. Ocarina of Time and stuff like that, we were still looking at, um, I don't know what what was the we had the official Nintendo yeah. guide for Ocarina of Time and yeah. Majora's Mask and yeah. like we were still using that stuff for those games that had more mm-hmm. uh, player friendly signposting. So in a yeah. game that has mm-hmm. literally none of that, um, yeah, there's a, we're trying to have an authentic experience. I guess is what we're aiming for. So I guess the question that I have for you then, Phil, is like, do you sort of? Um, I mean, as somebody especially who was playing these games at the time of release, right? Um, do you feel like the pack in guide was a pretty integral part of that whole experience? And then also do you kind of miss that? Like, do you, do you feel like that's a lost art form? Yeah. So I didn't have that. I didn't have, I I borrowed the game, right? So I never had any of the material that came along with it. So, um, pretty certain I know Nintendo power. I know the first issue covered, um, 
I think it covers the second quest, but I feel like they bounced back. I swear I remember having a map. Maybe I did. Maybe some. Maybe when we borrowed it one time, we did have the the map that it came with, which only highlights some of it. But um, a lot there was a lot of trial and error. There was a lot of um, asking people how things. Oh, you, you can get here by doing this, you know. So there was a lot of my brothers had information that you know maybe maybe they learned from someone else. So there was definitely a real like almost like community around like kind of solving it. Um, same with Zelda two. Uh, that one, definitely lots of Nintendo power usage for that. Um, and a lot of, well, you're a kid, so uh, you had hours and hours to spend really just kind of like bombing every wall and stuff right, like that. Right. <laughs> you mean as an adult, you don't have like four hours in your day to just run around and bomb walls for no reward. Well, it depends on how much I want to blow off the day that day. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, yeah, so those things were, um, you know, it it was like a combination, right? Those things were super important. It would be great if you were the one, the keeper of the maps. And then, um, it was a lot of just conversation. Like a great example is Simon's Quest. Um, I, did you? I'm sure you did. You play that? Probably not. I'm sorry. You cut out for a second. Did we play what? That's okay. Did you play Simon's Quest before? No. That's me no, too. No. Okay. So that's like it's another game like this where things are very cryptic, right? And you wouldn't really know what to do unless you had material that was telling you what to do. But I remember we were stuck in that game, and. I know my brother came home the one day and he was like, oh, you got to kneel at this mountain. You just kneel. And then like a tornado comes and takes you away. And it's like, really? What? And then he went and he kneeled and tornado came and took us away. We got to the next part of the game. So literally it was stuff like that, right? Like you'd be stuck for, you know, I don't have a sense of time then, but it could have been weeks that maybe we were stuck at that point. And then, you know, that little nugget of information was passed along and you got through it. So it was a combination of, of those kind of things to get through games uh, back then before you kind of had the games holding your hand a little more. Um, which, I, I mean, to me, was I thought it was kind of awesome. I feel like, you know, that's kind of unacceptable now. If a game, if a game came out like that now uh, where it was very cryptic and it didn't tell you what to do, you'd have everybody online saying, how oh, it's a terrible game. Uh, it's poor game design. But I think... I, Personally, I, I think there's something really cool and and fun about it. Yeah, and I think that one of those things, it, it, like it's so interesting because we had talked a minute ago about the interesting similarities between The Legend of Zelda and Breath of the Wild. And, you mm-hmm. know, Breath of the Wild has its own specific way of kind of moving you from thing to thing. Um, but yep. it it is still much more open-ended in its structure than a lot of. Oh, yeah a lot of like yeah. recent game design. And and I feel like that that should to me uh count as proof that it is totally okay um to have a little opacity, I guess, in your in your game design. You know, the amount yeah. to which you're holding the hand of your player um really does not need to be uh, you know uh all that all that incredible. Um I know Matt and I we played Skyward Sword pretty recently and that's an example of a game that really seems very afraid to have its players yes. get lost, you know, um to its disservice yeah. at times. Yep. Yep. 
No, I, I agree. And I, and I like that game a lot. I like Skyward Sword a lot, but yeah, it's, you're on the path. And I, I think what Breath does so good is, I mean, everyone probably heads over to Varuda first, right? That's probably the first guardian anybody takes down. Uh, and, um, and the game does a really nice way of nudging you in that direction and getting you over there. But at the same time, I could just be like, well, I don't want to go there. And you just go somewhere else. And that's, that's like the, to me, that's the magic of that game that everything still works no matter which way you go. Yeah. So talking, uh, getting back around to your Zelda guide, um, mm-hmm. how did you, so I think when people hear guide a lot of the time, I think what they're mm-hmm. thinking of is what you're talking about. Like the facts that you see, um, online, they think Nintendo power walkthrough, that kind of thing. And I think what what you made is actually closer in substance to the pack-in manual that would have come with the game where um it kind of is giving you the it like it's giving you the peaks of the game right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um it's it, it's kind of showing you the major moments but it's not a walkthrough in its arrangement like that's not what it is um can you tell us about what the decision was like to kind of go um a more like I guess cursory is the wrong word, right? But you're you're definitely not like writing <laughs> prose, you know, to discuss yeah. or like to to describe what's happening in this game. Yeah, uh, I, well, you know, a lot of the fun with um, old games and the manuals they came with, and and just even looking through magazines and whatnot, um, a lot of it's left to the imagination, right? So one of the things for the in-between dungeon things like how I wanted to handle the map was I already drew you I already drew a whole map of the overworld that like you have access to. It's not, obviously it's not pixel perfect, but it's pretty, it's close. Right. Um, so you have that, you can always reference that. You can always head back to that. But one of the things I thought would be cool would be to draw kind of like, um, a hint of what the map is. So maybe I draw a lake and, you know, you have to walk by that lake or walk by that river. Um, so I didn't exactly, I don't exactly hold your hand in that way. And it's more just kind of giving you a general feel for, okay, I have to head this way. And, and to me, that still leads to hopefully having like maybe a fun moment of of discovery where maybe you do see something that's that I'm not pointing you to, but it still opens it up as opposed to saying like, walk left, go straight, go up here twice. And so that was kind of my, that was my thought process for that. Um, as far as how I wanted to guide them between the dungeons. Gotcha. Yeah. And I think that makes sense. And actually it's so strange because my first thought when I kind of paged through the guide was like, oh, awesome. You know, this is kind of like a, like this is going to be enough of, um, I guess descriptive enough to kind of give us a guided experience with this game without just straight up telling me like, Hey, go here, do this, uh, in this room, you can get this. If you go collect enough rupees, then you can get this. And maybe you should try doing all of that before you get to the first dungeon. And it definitely is not that. And I think that that's kind of what has allowed us to kind of reference the guide without feeling like it's taking away the joy of us experiencing Mm -hmm. this game for the first time, because I do think that there is something kind of, 
and this is not me trying to judge anybody else's like gaming habits or the way that they play games. But like, I think for Matt and I, and Matt, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it would have felt a little soulless to have just been referencing like the IGN wiki. Yeah, and, I, I don't I don't want a step by step walkthrough. I want like a hey, don't waste all eight of your bombs in this one area because there's not a bombable wall. Like that is mm-hmm. enough of a thing for me. Right. Where it's like, hey, this screen, you you can find a secret here. Uh, it's you know, the way that you do it with the numbering system, I think, is really excellent because that shows me that there's a there's a point of interest there that I should probably invest my time in finding. And if I don't want to go dig through the um, the legend and find exactly which number it is and what it references, um, you know, it, it's I don't have to. And it's not a it's not it's not exactly spoiler free, but it's almost spoiler free to the point that it's helpful, but not um, oppressive. And it's, it's really, really great. Um, so I think you did a phenomenal job in, in giving the right amount of information to still keep the exploration um, rewarding. Thanks. Um, I'm glad that you like how the, you know, how the, especially the numbering system, I don't think anyone's actually brought that up before. So <laughs> it's funny that you, you mentioned it. Um, but yeah, that was like, cause that was one of those things I was like, well, how do I call attention to this thing here? And that's when I was like, well, maybe I can just kind of like figure out how to number these, these rooms. Um, and yeah, other than some of the later, I give you a, I give up for the dungeon, not cause that's really hard. Dungeon nine is difficult. Um, so that one, I really do that in eight, I break down, like, this is the path you should take. And I'm showing, I'm very, once they start introducing stairs that warp you to different parts of the dungeon, I did, you know, I make little lines that say, you know, this is going to spit you out here. Cause I think that stuff is, especially in dungeon nine, you can get, I can't tell you how much time I spent in that place when I was a kid. I, I can't. <laughs> so yeah. like coming up with a, a, a pretty basic, like, you know, take a to B and then take B to C just even that, uh, you know, that dungeon's still going to be really hard. Um, but I think like that is enough to, to really help someone through. And, and, and the other way, the other thing with dungeon nine is the, the, I guess we'll say the walkthrough, like the walkthrough I'm giving you for that, um, where it says, you know, do this, get this, get that. That's all based on you not dying. So if you die along the way, you're still going to have to reference that map and be like, Oh, okay. Where do I, where do I go from here now that I'm back at the start again? So um, there's still, it still has that exploration, I guess, uh, piece of it. Yeah, absolutely. We're looking at the map for Dungeon 9 right now, and uh, Matt, Matt's and my eyes just crossed a little <laughs> bit. Like, <laughs> And you, you, here's, the th- yeah, here's the thing. You don't even go through half those rooms. Like Most of them are just there to screw with you. <laughs> or, you know, or you find some weird path path that just takes you wherever but maybe it'll loop you around to where you're supposed to go so right that that dungeon's dungeon's nuts yeah we're we're, i mean we're really looking forward to getting into it i know uh the top down zelda games have been something that matt has kind of like tolerated up to this point um but (laughs) oh no not a fan of the top down ones okay well it's it's, 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 it's 
it's a Good. bias of my generation, right? Like I, I was sure. not raised on top downs. I my first mm-hmm. three Zelda games were uh, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, and then jumped right into Twilight Princess. Twilight Princess, yeah. yeah. Like my first three Sweet. Zelda games were like pretty heavily in the 3D era, and so mm-hmm. it's not that like I and I have I will say I have enjoyed each of the top downs that we've played so far, including this one. Um, and so I, it's not that I don't like them. It's I've just have had very limited exposure to them. Um, and yeah. it's, a, it's a different type of game that I'm used to. So that's really all yeah. that it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the original. It's, it's much more um, arcadey, I guess. A lot of fast action um, yeah. in between yeah, all I, the exploring. Yeah, I likened it kind of to the um, the OG X-Men arcade game. That's kind of a side scroller um, where you're mm-hmm. playing as like Wolverine or whoever and, and walking through and slicing up some of those. Uh, oh, what are they? The, the Sentinels. Sentinels. Yeah, thank you. That's what. And uh, mm-hmm. so it, it's it's a lot like that. And so it hits a nostalgia for me that I didn't really think I had. But um, yeah, it's I have thoroughly enjoyed this game. But to, to Lyndon's point, it has not been. They're not my favorite style of game. I guess is just the way to put that. Yeah, and I, uh, yeah. Th- conversely, I have a lot of nostalgia for top downs because, again, you know, my first my first Zelda was Link's Awakening. So that's yeah, what, which is so good. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I, oh, real quick. Yeah, I was gonna. It's 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 interesting how there's like kind of two camps of Zelda fans. Like I know people, you know, the people that are my age that grew up with top down, some of them, some of them don't really care for the 3d ones. They rather play the the top down one. They're kind of mad that those ones went away. And then you have, like you said, people that grew up with the 3d ones and they're not into the top down ones. And then you have people like, uh, something like me that just give me Zelda. I don't really care what form it takes. Yeah, I I definitely I definitely kind of fall into into your same camp there, Phil. Uh, That's that's kind of very much where I'm at now. Um, It does. man. You know, I I idly wonder every now and again just how long it's going to be before we get another top down uh, Zelda game, because they they can't be gone. You know, it's not like they're going to stop making them. But I kind of can't believe that I I honestly thought. You know, how, how could they not bring like uh, some kind of two pack that had the two 3DS ones on there to switch um, between worlds and Triforce Heroes? Like, I thought that was just like, how, how did they not make that? But I, I feel like something like that will happen. Well, they did Link's Awakening. So they did that remake. So that was top down. So that, that, that Even though it's a remake, I think it still counts, right? Oh, yeah. No, I definitely would argue that it does. And I think Matt and I actually both sort of feel like the Link's Awakening remake is maybe like it like in addition to just being a really cool remake of Link's Awakening, it's mm-hmm. also just like a, a really excellent indicator of like how top down Zelda can can be how good it can be in the modern age, you know. And mm-hmm. and, and Lyndon didn't mention this, but I, I made a little hand gesture that was it's moderately superior to the original, which may be blasphemous <laughs> to some people, but uh, in my opinion, moderately superior. Yeah. Well, you know, there's no accounting for the weather or Nintendo, so we'll <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see whenever they feel like kind of uh, dropping a new top down or something kind of in that realm. Matt's Matt's pointing a finger at me, and so oh, okay. Just what's your question? You're done with your thought. I'm done with my thought. Please, cool. please give us your question. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I know we're about 40 minutes into this and, and I've been thinking, I've been wondering for a while, ever since I really started digging into this guide, what really influenced your uh, artistic 
depiction of most of these characters like that there's very very little to go on for the from these sprites and you've done just a wonderful job of creating um characters that feel like they have a lot of life like link's facial reactions and uh zelda's uh zelda's characterization the whiz robes the the dark nuts like all of it is just very very well done so like i was curious what your artistic inspiration was to bring these characters to life in a way that nes sprites could really are kind of incapable of doing so uh, uh, most of it is based off art from um, Kasuya Tereda. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, oh, I'm with familiar. His work. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. So he, I mean, it's dude. You crack open an old issue of Nintendo Power. He did so much art for it. It's amazing. And then as it kind of gets into the Super Nintendo era, his art slowly starts to get phased out, and it's sad. But he just does so. M- there's so much cool art, and he did so much cool Zelda art. He did do. Um, art for I think both strategy guides for Link to the Past and Link's Awakening. So I had that to me was like the inspiration. I was like, I want it to feel like this because this stuff's awesome. He draws, his drawings are amazing. I think he was seriously like 20 when he did all this stuff. And it's just like incredible work. Um, and I thought, well, I would like to use this as an opportunity to kind of like study this dude's work and kind of try and channel some of that, uh, in, into this book. And some of the, yeah, I, you look at some of these pictures is obviously inspired by him. If you're familiar with his work, I, some people might think like uh, I'm ripping them off, but it's not a rip off. It's just like paying tribute to this work. Right. Um, it's all intentional. So I, to come up with the look of it, I made like a, basically a Tereda mood board. I found all a ton of photos of his that I really just liked. Um, printed them all out. And I basically surrounded my, every time I sat down to draw, pictures for that book i surrounded myself with it for the link where i have like the little i guess the small link the chibi link that's all kind of based on the art that you would have found in the old manual right the the official art but i still kind of wanted to give it my my own like look not just a rip off um the way he looks exactly so that was really the the goal there was to kind of combine the feeling of that manual that came with the the game itself, and then all that amazing art that uh, Toretta had put together, um, and that was that was the whole basically artistic goal of the of the book was to just study his work, see if I can learn from it, and hopefully people would like it. So, yeah. Uh, so my my colleague at Bungie, Max Nichols, uh, frequent uh, collaborator with us on this show, um, Link's Awakening is also one of his favorite games, and. Uh, Katsuya Tirada um, is a, a you know I think he's got actually the Tirada depiction of the owl from Link's Awakening as a tattoo. Um, oh wow! Yeah, wow. And we, we've had cool. a lot of conversations about specifically the artwork that Tirada did for Link's Awakening. I know he did stuff for you know other games as well, Link to the Past most notably. But like, um, yep. but to me, I always you know his, his work for Link's Awakening um, has always been like very. Um, you know, some, you know, it's just work that I've really enjoyed. And to me, um, has kind of like been iconic as a part of my mm-hmm. memory of that game. And so I, you, the influence is very clear. Um, and I definitely don't think you're ripping anybody off, but it's really cool because I think that that, you know, that, that is a, that is an homage to a very specific style of game art that is, uh, is really not done anymore. 
Mm-mm. No, it's 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 gone. <laughs> like I don't think anybody really does it. Especially since there's no well, there's no manuals. There's no there's not many strategy guides. Do they? I don't really even know what what they put out anymore officially for for games. But it, it would all be full of official art, uh, sanctioned art, right? Like things that are approved and all that. Um, Something they sourced from the concept team, like on ex- yeah, yeah, yep, ex- exactly. So it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. It's just pretty much a a, a dead, I guess, art form. Um, and you know, I'm not saying that that's the end of the world. Things have changed. There wasn't really you, those um, assets didn't really exist, right? They didn't really have much to work with. Um, so they had to create all this stuff, but yeah. I yeah. don't know where I'm going with that thought. Well, no, it's just, <laughs> but, it, but it is so interesting because like a, a necessary function of this kind of artwork back in, in the time it would have been created was to, flesh out the world in a way that the graphics that you're seeing on your, you know, on your tube TV or on your game boy or whatever could not depict. Um, and like, you know, when you, when you kind of frame it that way, uh, of course they don't need to do that anymore because breath of the wild has no issue depicting it's like, it's, it's not working to make you like realize it's world. You know, we have that, that fidelity now. So it's like, yes, so I guess just in terms of like, is this functionally necessary to, I don't know, to place our players within this world in a way that feels more real? You know, the answer is no, it's not. But uh, I think that uh, function uh, function and necessity are not the breadth and width of the, the conversation, right? And I, I do think that it is a little sad that this isn't just kind of done for, for giggles anymore. But, you know, I mean, yeah. that involves having to, you know, retain talent and pay somebody and go through effort to like, you know, get that on, on the list of your tasks and priorities. So that's, mm-hmm. and I can tell there's a market for it for sure. I mean, I've found that out firsthand. Um, so it's, I think if there is a company that, that realizes that and they do put in some effort to making like a really cool guide, I mean, I think it would be huge. Um, you know, depending on the game. I mean, you're at, you're at Bungie. So, if, you know, if they did some kind of crazy destiny thing, um, Bungie's destiny, right? Oh I'm yeah, so definitely. Yep, yep. Yep. Yeah. If they did, <laughs> like, I'm sure that's what you work on all the time, right? Dest- your life is destiny. Um, I'm sure if they put together some kind of amazing book that just had all these, um, yeah, I, I, I guess I never actually played that game. So I know it's not, uh, I know it's online, but I don't know if they, built out ways, best ways to, to drop in and however you would do what you need to do or recommendations. And it just is full of great art and kind of lore that goes along with it. I mean, that would probably, I think, appeal to that fan base, but. Well, that's the, that's the hope. I mean, of course us, you know, who are working in the field and like, uh, have an interest in traditional art. I mean, th- th- that's kind of like the glimmer of hope we're all hanging on to, right? It's just like, hopefully someone's like still interested in this, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess yeah, I no, guess that'd be awesome. Yeah, I guess the jury's like still out on that. But uh to to your point about the demand that you kind of saw for your Zelda guide, that kind of leads me into my next question, which is, you know, have you ever considered like coming back to this and, and firing up a new something? 
Yeah. So I, I got kind of a, so I made a Metroid guide after this to the original Metroid. Um, and I had a Kickstarter. I don't know if you're familiar with any of that stuff. Um, and I had the Kickstarter taken down by Nintendo and that all kind of went away. Sorry. I just want to like a quick note on that. I do think that it's really interesting because I, I, um, I feel like once every six to three to six months, you hear about some kind of high profile Metroid something getting a takedown mm-hmm. issued by Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it doesn't really happen for Zelda. Like, um, you know, I've like between like replicas and fan projects and all kinds of stuff. I, f- I feel like, you know, uh, I feel like Zelda unlicensed things are kind of like thrive, honestly. Yeah, and, there's and tons. For- for whatever reason, Metroid just like has a whole lot of Nintendo scrutiny on it, um, which makes no sense to me because like they they get back around to that game series so much more infrequently than Zelda. Yeah, I was about to say you you yeah. have to you yourself have directly benefited. My, I'm talking to Lyndon here. Uh, have directly benefited from the unlicensed Nintendo aspect of, of artwork around the internet. So uh, that's that is very interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, well, they cared about Zelda and Metroid when it came to what I was putting out. So, um, <laughs> so it got <laughs> shut down. And, um, you know, that was a, that was literally like a year ago. Um, this time last year, I was in the middle of that Kickstarter campaign, um, which was a lot of work. Um, so when that got shut down, I definitely uh, was pretty defeated. Um, I did some small jobs. Um for game guides after that for some official products. Um, I did one with premium edition games for cathedral. It's like a very short guide. It's like, it kind of covers the first, um, well, if you didn't know what you were doing, it would probably, it covers the first like five hours of the game. But if you follow the guide, it's probably about an hour and a half worth of, of content that that I covered there. It's kind of like a starter thing to kind of get you going to, metroid style um game and another one i did was i um witch and whiz which is a homebrew nest game and that's you can download that right now like get a rom of it um but limited run did a physical cartridge of it uh for the nest and i put together like a nintendo power style poster for that so it has like a big poster front uh artwork from the game and then i have like a map on the back that kind of hits some of the, I worked with uh, the developer uh, Matt on that and it kind of hits some of the harder points of the game, help you help you through them if you, if you feel stuck. Um, and that's like a puzzle game, like, um, kinda like fire and ice or Solomon's key. Uh, so I did those and then uh, I took a little bit of a break and now I'm working on a new project, which I don't want to say too much about yet. Um, I'm kind of re rethinking, um, the way I'm going to produce these and how to do it, I guess, legally, <laughs> um, I don't get in any more trouble. Um, hopefully I have a, a solution. Um, I can tell you that it involves Castlevania for the NES and, um, hopefully I'll have something to announce soon for that. So that's. Go ahead. 
No, I mean, that's that's very exciting, and I can't wait to see what it is. I do want to say that I'm, I'm glad to hear that you've gotten some work with limited run games. I know that, uh, you know, what we were kind of alluding to earlier, you know, kind of with uh, with pack-in game manuals being sort of a lost art, um, mm-hmm. really the whole physical package of, of getting yeah. A game box and cartridge and manual and all that stuff together. I mean, that that all kind of falls under that umbrella and uh, limited run games. And then also I am 8-Bit both have done some really cool work in partnering with uh, specifically like indie studios to get really Mm -hmm. awesome packaging done um, for their games. I I remember, have, have you played Hyper Light Drifter by any chance? I have not, but I, I know what it is. Okay. So, um, highly recommend it if you, if you like top down Zelda, which I, which you do. So I, I think you would really mm-hmm. enjoy it. Um, but anyway, I know, uh, I am eight bit back in the day when Hyperlight drifter was going through their Kickstarter, um, funding phase, they kind of, one of the funding goals was like a, a replica SNES cart of that game with like a box and a pack in manual and all this other stuff. And it's like, you know, I just think, um, I understand why that's not the done thing on like a corporate like AAA level because the oh, margin, yeah. yeah, 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 the margins can't be good, but mm-hmm. but I love that it happens still, right? Yeah, and you know, one of the funny things I, I thought about recently was I was playing, um, I played through Thirteen Sentinels, and a lot of games do have like built-in manuals in them, right? Um, and so. Once in a while, I consult those built-in manuals. So in like the case of 13 Sentinels, I'm going through it, and it's laid out just like an old manual would be laid out. And it was like really cool. And I just thought, why didn't they just print this thing? Like, it's cool. I like, you know, like, why didn't it just come in the box? Yeah. Because, you know, it doesn't make sense. But I would have loved to have popped it out of the box and looked up what I needed to look up real quick in it. Um and then I would have been pleasantly surprised that it was really nice. But yeah, no, they don't, they, they just don't do it anymore. And, and I understand why they don't do it. But um, I do think there is a market for a premium product, um, like manual slash guide. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would definitely agree with that. And it's funny to me because I'm saying this is like, this is, this is the push and pull. I think if you're, <laughs> um, you know, if, if you are a person of a, of a certain like hobby set, you know, like if you're mm-hmm. if you're kind of a nerdy individual, then this is the push and pull of like, I'm an adult and I have too many things already. But also, why don't you mm-hmm. make this thing physically? Because I would buy it, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and the other thing, too, the other thing I thought of, too, with. um with cathedral in, in particular, and I probably shouldn't say this. And even what what might happen with uh, Witch and Wiz is like. Those two came in the uh, most basically like premium versions of those games. Um, and I just wonder how many of them are actually going to be opened. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like are, are those the, are those the ones that just stay sealed and no one actually sees it? So there's like that weird part of it too, right? Where, you know, a lot of these things are just, they're just being kept sealed and they're not actually being like looked at because they are people that are older um, and they do want those things. They do love those things, but they also want to like take care of them and keep them pristine and they'll just download the digital version. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If so, if licensing were not an issue, if any, anything was legal, you know, you knew you were going to face no legal repercussions of any kind mm-hmm. and you could just do whatever you wanted to do. What, mm-hmm. what would your next hand drawn game guide be? 
Well, it would have been Castlevania, which is what I'm kind of doing now, but I'm, it's a very different approach. Um, so I would have loved to have done that. I would have loved to have done um, Mega Man 2. Um, I had like a whole idea for that where it would have been like, um, I wanted it to look like you're looking through like blueprints. Like you got a hold of like Dr. Wily's blueprints of all the, all the robots and all the level layouts and stuff like that. And that's kind of how Mega Man has an idea of how, well, this, well, that's why this thing's weak to that. So that was like a fun idea I had. Uh, so I would have loved to have done that. Um, Zelda two for sure would have been on there. Um, probably would have continued in a similar style as uh the first zelda guide for that one but yeah those were the three that i had lined up oh a double dragon 2 i would love to do as well and i think i might still handle that for the um the new kind of format that i have but that one i kind of imagined being like uh like a comic book the metroid guide is kind of like a comic book as well but the Double Dragon 2 one, I would have probably taken that a lot farther. Yeah, and we've got your Metroid guide pulled up over here for reference as well, and it's also really it awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, cool. Thank you. But just wondering, I mean, so obviously those are all games that really fit very neatly within the, the NES era, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're mm-hmm. you're squarely in 8-bit zone for basically all yeah. those. Um, yeah. And I know that, like, obviously a game like Link's Awakening or Link to the Past is not a complex game by modern standards, but they do have quite a lot more uh, breadth and width than oh, yeah. the original Legend of Zelda. So I guess would that I guess would that make it difficult for you to create a guide in the way that you kind of tip, typically tend to do them? Just knowing that you know at some point you do introduce things like hey now we have side quests and now we have mm-hmm. like two like two overworlds and like all this other stuff. Yep. No, absolutely. It would change. I mean, it would change everything. It would be, it would take so much more time. And that's one of the reasons that I've stuck to the eight bit stuff. Um, just because those games are, like I said, um, earlier with, with Zelda was in my head, I just thought, well, it's, it's nine dungeons and a world map. Like that was just how I looked at the game. But then once I actually started to think about the game, it was like, no, there's, there's way more to cover here. There's, there's so much more than just that. So, you know, you take that and you apply it to something like a link to the past. And it's just like, Oh my gosh, there's so much more. Right. So it would, or even like, I'd be, I would almost be afraid of handling something like, um, even if it was the original final fantasy, something like that, I feel like for me, it would be overwhelming and it would take so much time. Um, not saying I couldn't do it, but it would just be a different, it would be a different beast. Yeah. Um, well, and at that point you as a professional, like, like an artistic professional, um, once you are faced with that incredible expenditure of time, now we're back to the whole, like, well, you know, you want to be like compensated for your work and, and, and to like have some kind of like kickback for the time that's been expended into this thing. And, you know, now we're back into the, like the legalities and licensing discussion of the whole mm-hmm. thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If I was, look, if the, I mean, if the Kickstarter worked and that went through, um, it, it's possible it may have put me in a position where, yeah, I could have worked on something like a, something longer. Right. Um, cause I would have been able to dedicate more time to it. Um, make it a real business. Maybe. I mean, it was, 
certainly turning into something there. Um, but you know, this is just me working at nighttime. Um, or when I have a few moments, maybe on the weekend. So it needs to be something manageable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, re- I mean, it really is all it comes down to. Yeah. I mean, look, be, I would, I'm playing Chrono Trigger right now on the DS. I mean, I would love, I love that game, but, and I would, I mean, making like a guide for that would just be, it would be like a dream. It'd be incredible. But I mean, wow, what a game, right? There's so much to that game. So yeah, it's, it's, they're they're a product of what I have available to me as far as time and and wanting to, you know, co- complete something and get through something and actually uh, accomplish it. Right. So manageable things. Yep. Absolutely. Completely track with you there. I know as, as somebody who's spent a lot of time messing around with stuff that I, that was a ton of fun for me personally, but um, you know, was a huge time sink and, and didn't result in any, uh, any kind of assistance financially. I mean that you can only, you can only do that for so long before you just start to feel really drained by it. Yeah. 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 And I did stuff like that too. I mentioned I, I used to work on some animated stuff. I, I mean, we're going back a decade now. Um, I made, you know, these, these like flash cartoons when that was like a thing. Um, and I put so much time, so many years and so much time into all those things. And I basically never made a dime on any of it. Right. And at one point, and then even when I started doing the guides, like I, I mentioned, I, I had Contra, they were all up for free. And when I was wrapping up Zelda, when I was getting close to the end, I just thought like, I put like, there's so much effort that went into this thing. Right. Like I have to kind of have to charge something for it. Right. And I felt guilty. Um, but you do kind of have to, I feel like, especially when you get to like, I'm 40, right? (laughs) Once you get to a certain age, it's like, if I'm putting the effort into this thing, I have to get some kind of return for it. Right. Um, so that was when I made the decision for the digital copy of Zelda. It was a dollar. Like I still wasn't even asking for much. Right. But it was just the fact that it wasn't free. Um, and I said it to, and I actually, put prices on Contra and Ninja Gaiden at that point as well. And I did set them to pay what you want. And there, I mean, there's some really generous people. There's some, sometimes when I'm going, when you, when I would go through that list of the digital copies, um, it's kind of nuts how much, how much some people are willing to, to give to you for that. It's, it's amazing actually. Um, so, so yeah, like, like you said, you kind of have to, Kind of have to get a little something back, right? So I feel like make, that's the make it worth that. I feel like that's the that's the um <laughs> that's the happy opposite of the Fiverr phenomenon. Like on the one end of the spectrum, you've got people who are like, "I pay you five dollars and you make me a logo," right? Yep, yep. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have somebody who's like. Uh, you are asking me to pay whatever I want for this piece of content and I'm going to pay you a hundred dollars or something, you know, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, oh man, I, I love, I love that there are two sides of that coin because if it was just like the, if it was just the, the Fiverr crowd, then I think I would, I would be much more cynical about creative, about any creative oh, pursuit gosh. really. But like, yeah, yeah. It's cool that people see the value in it too. Right. Like, like you said, a hundred dollars, like that's, 
that's kind of, that's happened before. Right. And, and you see that and you're just like, Oh my gosh, it's a hundred dollars. So maybe, um, you know, you have people that are giving you a dollar here and there. Um, but, or actually I even set them at one point. Um, I did set Zelda to free the one time and I think uh, warrior 64 retweeted it and there was a, I mean, gosh, there was a bajillion downloads that day. Um, but you did have some people like coming in and it kind of almost made up for that, for the people that were just grabbing it for free because they were just willing to be so generous. Um, so it's, I mean, it was pretty awesome yeah, to, to see that happen. Well, I mean, that's really good to hear. Like, I'm really glad that it, it that it met with that amount of success, um, you know, in, in that way. Uh, I guess the, the, the last big question that I really had for you was mm-hmm. you have got a lot of wonderful artwork in the, in both the, the Zelda guide and in the Metroid guide. And, uh, I would just kind of like to know, let's go ahead and say in both guides because I've got them both open. Let's start with Zelda. Um, Mm -hmm. is there a piece of artwork in the Zelda guide that you are particularly proud of? Like you really just think you'd knocked it out of the park. I'm really happy. Even though it's like straight up, uh, I really am happy with, uh, the link and Ganon spread toward the back. Um, I think I, I feel like I, I channeled his, his stuff pretty well there. Um, and I was really happy with that piece. That one I usually show a lot. And another one I like is the um, the Gleok on Dungeon 8, which I actually screwed up. Um, he has three heads in that picture. He's actually four headed in that dungeon. <laughs> so the picture, <laughs> picture should have the picture should have a fourth head in there, but I, I messed that up. But I, I was pretty happy with that one. Um, let me flip through it and just kind of get an idea of some other ones, but yeah, those are the ones I really liked. I kind of like the shopkeeper one. That one's got a cool feel. I like a classic. Um, the Manhala, the Manhala, Mandhandla one turned out pretty well. Yeah. So I like these, I like my Moblin begging. So there, yeah, there's stuff in here. I'm, I'm pretty happy with. And there's some other ones where I'm just like, Oh God, I probably should have went back and, and rethought that one. So there's a couple that I'm not happy with. Yeah. um, The, um, the one of link on the raft sailing to the Island right before dungeon four. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's very Tirada right there. I think there's actually like a, a landscape that he did of, of Koholan Island from the sea. Um, Mm -hmm. and that, and this is, I'm looking at this and I'm like, yep, there it is. Like that's, yeah. yeah, that's what I was going for. So yeah, I, I like those. I'm happy with those. I like the, um, I kind of like the Goma one's kind of small, but I like that one too. And the whiz ropes are cool up there. So yeah, there's a lot in there that I'm happy with. But the Metroid one, um, I don't have it on me right now, but I was pretty happy with some of the like world introduction spreads. Like I really liked my Brinstar, the two Brinstar ones I liked. Um, I like. Um, Gosh, I'm trying to go through. Oh, I was, this is sad. I was going to go up and reach for my physical copy of it that doesn't exist. <laughs> the other ones are up there. I was going to grab something that is not there. Um, uh, this, I'm, I'm looking at the, it's a, it's a whole spread for Norfair. Yeah, that one's cool. I had fun with that one. Let me just go to my own website and open it up. Uh, I'm happy with the cover of it. I like the cover. Um, I really have fun with um, 
I have fun a lot with like the how to play pages. I like making just the little tiny character and, and you know, like they're, they're real simple, but I feel like those are the ones that really kind of give like that vibe of, of a manual, right. Of when you would be flipping through it, uh, when you were younger. Uh, so I, I do like doing those. They're actually a lot of fun, even though like the art on them isn't the most impressive, but they're always fun. I had fun with it on Intergaiden and all that too. With Metroid, oh, I like when she's in the ship and her own ship uh, with the incoming call. Um, I had fun with these little characters. So these Galactic Federation guys, um, they're in the manual and they're just like these weird aliens. And when I was going through that, trying to kind of like come up with a take on the story. And I took a lot of liberties with this one. I'm actually kind of surprised people weren't like, what are you thinking? Um, with those guys, I was like, why don't I give them like a role? Cause they're kind of fun. So I had fun kind of just putting them into the story and giving them something to do. Um, but yeah, I like that. I like the, I like the Ridley and Craig statues. Those turned out good. And I like I'm like flipping real fast. I like my mother brain uh, on the uh, Torian page. And yeah, those are some of the, the things. And I actually like my, I like my, my uh, Sula Samus at the end as well for the yeah, mission accomplished page. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So. Looking at that one right now. Yeah. I mean, it's all incredibly impressive stuff. I mean, you definitely were a, I think you had a lot of room to get more descriptive with like narrative moments in the in this metroid guide than in the zelda one like to the point where i mean you you've basically got several several spreads of of comic here you know mm-hmm. yeah and i was yeah, gonna say the, then- the intro or the very the first page the title page of metroid uh, is just phenomenal. The 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 blues are gorgeous. The way that you're able to utilize the color and still have such clear depictions of each of the bosses, and then Samus at the forefront. Like it, it's just very very well done. Like just really really incredible. Well, thanks. And of course, yeah. me me the graphic designer. I'm sitting here looking at the title lockup. Like ah, oh, the lettering so great. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> no no well cool i mean yeah thanks for thanks for giving us your favorite picks there like obviously um you know we've been kind of describing this uh, you know by uh, like vocally um but i would encourage anyone listening to this episode assuming that you're not operating a motor vehicle at this moment uh <laughs> to uh to get on the site and kind of look at these for yourselves because the work is truly spectacular and especially if you're following along with us on season six as we go through the legend of zelda um definitely would encourage you to keep the um, Legend of Zelda hand-drawn game guide up for reference the way that Matt and I are. Um, what, and that website is handdrawngameguides.com, right? Like yep. That's, yeah, yeah, and they're all available there. You can just grab PDFs of all of them. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we've said that a single time in this podcast, so that, shame on us. That's, but. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely fine. Cool. Definitely encourage everyone to go check that out. I think that that kind of takes us to to about time. Matt, did you have any any other questions? No? no well, I think that the one last thing that we did want to do is um, we have had quite a few people on our Discord channel, uh, which is um, exclusive to people who sub to our Patreon. Uh, we let them know that we were running this interview and unanimously everyone was uh, very excited to hear that. And we were instructed cool. by our patrons to tell you that they're all uh, really great fans of wow. your work. So, Oh, that's awesome. So the message has now been communicated and, and we co-sign wow. it. <laughs> we absolutely wow. co-sign well, it. Thank you. 
thank you, uh, Discord Patreon. Uh, yeah, Sacred Realms uh, Discord people. Thank you. I don't know how else, to, how else to word it. I was trying to think of the. I was trying to think of the best way to do that. I'm like, uh, nope, that'll do. That'll do just fine. Um, I think I speak for all of us when I say we're excited to see kind of what you come up with next. So, yeah, um, gonna be gonna be really great to see what your what your next project is. Definitely sorry to hear that Metroid turned out the way that it did, but I mean, you know, um, I guess sometimes you just have to take it on the chin and move on to the next thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it was, I mean, it was more than just, well, yeah, Metroid didn't, but it was like, yeah, it was the whole thing, right? Like we were going to, I don't know if you're familiar with the campaign, but we were running off, like the, the plan was to run off hard copies of of everything uh, that I had made up to that point. So bummer that it all kind of didn't work out, but um, I don't know. Sometimes I still toy with the idea of running off a handful of Metroids and just being like, screw it. Am I going to get sued for running off like a hundred copies of Metroid? Like, mm. Doesn't seem likely, does it? Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, I want to play good. I want to play nice. Um, but uh, yeah, so hopefully the next, hopefully the next project uh, is something that I can keep up with and do and, and it all works out, but I don't want to say too much about it just in case I'm not happy with the end result or I, you know, change course, change my mind or, or nope, whatever. But nope, uh, well, com- yeah, completely understand. Like no explanation necessary. It's it's all good. <laughs> this is uh yeah. do not feel any pressure to like reveal your next major undertaking on this podcast right now. <laughs> it's okay. All right. Yeah. And another thing that I, that I've done uh, throughout the year too, is like uh, this game reflections thing where um, I want, and I wanted to do this last year, but since I had some more, a little bit of time and I wanted to stay away from the game guide stuff a little bit. Um, every game I complete this year, I just draw like a little picture about it and I do like a small write up. It's kind of a review, but not really. Sometimes like, it's not like, I think the graphics are good. It's more like how I felt when I played the game, um, or some kind of story that popped up around the game. And that's been fun to do. And I post those on Twitter and all, all the ones I've made so far are, they're all there to view on the, the hand drawn game guide site. So that's just been like a little, little side thing that I've been doing. That's been fun. So this kind of leads me made. into the part where I ask you if there is any particular place that you would like to direct people to follow your work, social media, anything like that. Sure. Um, easy. So we mentioned the website, handdrawngameguides.com. That's just pretty basic site. I'm gosh, I made it in like Google sites. Um, Nothing crazy, but all the guides are hosted are hosted there, so you can find everything there. Um, anything new that I come up with will be eventually on there uh, in some way. And then, if you would like to follow me on social media, I really only keep up with I'm mainly on Twitter and a little bit on Instagram, and they're both at Hey Phil Summers. Okay. Excellent. Definitely encourage all of our listeners to go toss Phil a follow. Um, I'm sure that there's a lot of interesting stuff to look through there, but it sounds like we have much more interesting stuff coming up in the future to, uh, to follow and to enjoy. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely go give him a follow. Um, Phil, seriously, we appreciate so much you kind of like carving out, you know, like two hours of your night to, to come talk to us about this. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Hopefully I didn't ramble too much and and it all made sense. (laughs) 
You did not. I mean, we. I mean, like I said, we. So, there's some kind of like weird sorcery around our whole podcasting system, which uh, leads all of our conversations to just kind of like naturally tie up somewhere around the hour and a half mark. Like, <laughs> okay. I don't know how it happens that way, but it just always does. And so there you have it. We make hour and a half long episodes. Yeah. And it just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unless it's Breath of the Wild and then it's two hours. Ugh, yeah. Yeah, right. And I'm sorry I stretched your uh, introduction out to 20 minutes or whatever that was in the beginning. When I- we, we've had longer. <laughs> we, okay. Yeah, we have. <laughs> our, our significant others have recently told us that we're kind of long winded about some things. So, uh, you know. Yeah, it's fine. Right. We're, we're like heading out to the back porch to record an episode. And my wife is yeah. like, hey, what time do you think we'll be, you, you know, you'll be done? I'm like, oh, well, we're starting in like 15 minutes. And I don't know. I should, we should be back in here in about an hour. And it's like two hours and 15 yep. minutes later. It's like, oh, well, yep. OK. And then and then she'll listen and, and she'll give you feedback. <laughs> my wife listens. Oh. That's a funny joke. What? <laughs> I know you said you said she said you guys were long winded. So I was like, oh, she must listen. That's nice. Oh, just like in our general lives. (laughs) Got it. I got it. All right. Got it. No, I understand. You know. Uh, yeah no i get it completely <laughs> yep absolutely we look interested people have things to talk about right like we can all we can we can all just kind of go off for for hours and hours about the things that we're interested in so um oh, yeah. you know that's what uh that's you know that's why it's good to have hobbies we've all got fun things we like to keep track of so yep and that leads to passion projects like the one that you made and the one that we're making here so there you go it all feeds into each other yep, yep. Cool. Cool. Well, Phil, this has been a great time. Um, you know, hopefully we'll, uh, catch up with you some other time in the future. Um, whenever you, you know, crank out something new and fun and, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've got a lot of retro Zelda coming up over the next few weeks. So we mean, we, we may reach out to you for your actual gameplay perspectives on, especially as we get into like the adventure of Link and some of that stuff, because we're cool. We're definitely looking, uh, we're, we're looking for people with more informed perspectives than our own <laughs> to kind of help like shepherd us through this process. But yeah, adventure link has, uh, I know you're trying to wrap up a really cool experience system that I think is like awesome. And there's so much like strategy you can put around it. It's great. So I'd be happy to happy to chat about that one. Not too many uh, Zelda games really give you the opportunity to like spec into anything. So um, Mm -hmm. definitely going to be a new one for us. I think the RPG elements might actually end up being the saving grace of, of that game for you, Matt. So Hey, you know, I'm always down for a good pseudo RPG element in a game. Yep. I, I know that about you. It is true. But it's cool. it, it's a it's a punishing experience system. So, <laughs> well, I don't love those. So <laughs> you can there's a lot of but that's what makes it so good. There's a lot of gambling. There's like, can I get away with this and maybe level or should I take a game over here? Or, yeah, it's there's a lot of thought that goes into it. It's oh, fun. Everything about that sounds intimidating. <laughs> dear God. But we're going to play it with a smile on our faces and may we be as surprised by it as we were by the legend of zelda who's to say matt who's to say fingers crossed and toes and all the other things Yeah, fingers crossed knock on wood (laughs) yeah all that (laughs) yep yep cool cool well uh phil we will yeah i mean obviously everyone go check out uh phil's social and handdrawngameguides.com um you will be uh you will be happier for it i guarantee you matt are you ready to get into our outro i am i'm not gonna hold you up this time 
Okay. So <laughs> whatever you're the you're the host, Lyndon. You uh, just keep us moving right along. This uh, this podcast always succeeds more, I think, when you uh, don't stand in the way of my successes. I absolutely disagree with that statement in its entirety. <laughs> Cool. It is noted for the record. (laughs) History will remember. If you enjoyed today's show and you'd like a little extra Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com slash sacred realms pod and become a patron. If you've got no rupees, it's not a problem. Five star Apple podcast reviews are a great free way to support us. More reviews means that more people see our show. That makes us very happy Hylians. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at sacred realms pod for updates on the podcast and for behind the scenes action sacred realms will be back next wednesday with our thoughts on chapter two of the legend of zelda which for us contains dungeons two and three also known as moon and manji we'd love for you to play along with us and to share your thoughts on our social channels uh, the Legend of Zelda can, of course, be played basically everywhere. Um, you can play it on your original NES. You can play it on the NES Mini. You can play it on the Game Boy Advance, on the, uh, I don't know, whatever Wii Shop you happen to have access to. Wii Shop. Whatever eShop you happen to have <laughs> access to. Um, and, of course, you can play it on your Nintendo Switch via the Nintendo Switch online subscription, which is the way that Matt and I are playing it. But in the meantime, may your hearts be full. May your arrows never miss. We will catch y'all next time. Sacred Realms is an independent podcast production, which is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Lyndon Willoughby. Our music comes from Zelda and Chill by Mikkel and is graciously provided to us by Mikkel and Game Chops Records. Zelda and Chill is available to stream on Spotify or to purchase directly from GameChops.com. Finally, our thanks go to Nintendo for creating such exceptional and innovative experiences.